number three of the Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. You can email Pete at the Pete Callender Show. You can call 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, get the podcast at WBT.com. You can listen on any platform. It comes right to your smartphone or tablet three times a day. As soon as each hour is done, it gets posted up as a podcast commercial free. Uh, which, by the way, if you uh, have not heard the second hour, the very at the very end, we got a call from a business owner, a charlatan, a native charlatan business owner in Uptown, a true unicorn, who said they're not happy with the uh, the city council approved the budget last night. Part of that budget included no more free on street parking on the weekends. They're not too happy about that. Um, Businesses not too happy with the uh, charging of the money on the weekends. And I get that. I totally understand that. Um, but at some point, you have to. Because it, it the, the space has become too valuable. And you're giving away the spaces for free. You're leaving revenue basically on the table. I, I see both sides of that argument. I do. And this is... Um, like I am sympathetic to the idea, you know, people who are working there and, and trying to make a living and you have to park on the street. Uh, and, and if, you know, you can't afford the parking, then you can't work in the center city. I get that. I really do. Again, I'm originally from Long Island. I understand that. But here's the other side of that, which is it is an urban core. It's a dense urban core. And these are the things that come with a dense urban core. Lack of parking. Right. People pooping on the sidewalks. Like, this is just the way things are, people. Who are we? <laughs> Who are we to say you can change? So the city, they did approve their budget last night. The Charlotte City Council approved the budget. No tax increase, as if there's an election year or something. And um, they, they do want to run a whole bunch of bonds uh, at us. And they did the arena debate. They're going to uh, uh, move forward with... Some more funding for the arena. And look, I understand the argument. The Uptown Arena, we are already on the hook because of a bad contract, a bad deal that a previous city council cut with the NBA and the Hornets that put the city on the hook for the renovations and the repairs. And that's like a lot of money. And so if you look at the cost over the years, you know, for the next 10, 15, whatever years, it's going to run us like 170. I think that was the number I saw in the presentation. It was like 170 million dollars. So if you just tack on an extra 40, I mean, what's 40 on top of 170? So if you just tack on some more, now you lock them in until 2045. The team won't go anywhere, and we won't have to do with this uh, any longer. That's the idea. I don't believe it, by the way. I really don't. They're they're calling this arena middle aged. So. In another, like by the time we get to like 2030, 2035, it's not that it's not that long from now, right? It's not that far ahead, right? I mean, it, 10 years from now, they're going to come back and they're going to start demanding a new arena because that's what they do. That's what they all do. Why would that change? And they'll say they can't compete, and that's the reason the team is terrible. They'll say they need, you know, a third practice basketball court instead of just the two that they're going to get now, right? Whatever, they'll... Look, they are going to make some repairs, like, for example, uh, they're going to make some repairs in the bathrooms and the escalators and the elevators, new HVAC systems, plumbing, roof, entryway. So there, there are some things, obviously, that they need to take care of. 
Okay. The practice facility is going to have two full courts, expanded locker room space, health care space. According to the Charlotte Observer, it's expected to either replace the existing Charlotte Transportation Center or be built in an existing gravel lot next to the stadium. Money for it would come from naming rights for a proposed new district. Eh? So that's the idea. We're going to get naming rights. Although when they were asked, the city staff was asked, who, who is selling those rights? Who gets the money? Where does that go? And staff didn't really have an answer for that. They just said it, was all be, it would all be part of a cooperative deal and whatever, whatever. So not really sure. For example, like what happens if, what happens if you say, I want to sell the naming rights for $50 million? And the Pete Callender show comes along and says, I want to name, I want naming rights for this district. I want it to be called the Pete Callender show, new buzz city, buzz station or whatever. I think it should be called the buzz station. It just makes the most amount of sense or the buzz stop. But that kind of gets, that, that does convey the idea that the Hornets are not flying anymore. They're not doing very well. The buzz stop, right? So it may not convey the right meaning. That's why I went with buzz station, the buzz station. Because the bus facility is going to get buried underneath the practice facility. Yeah. And Brevard Street's going to be the community space where people would turn out to watch the game for free on the big screen TV on the side of the arena. I think uh, that's what the rendering showed at the presentation. The proposed renovations plus the potential sale of the epicenter generated excitement for Charlotte. Oh, sorry. Excitement for Charlotte assistant city manager. There you go. Tracy Dodson and the Hornets president, Fred Whitfield, who say that the two could be the catalyst needed to jumpstart an entertainment-focused district in Uptown Charlotte, which I thought we had, which was the epicenter, was it not? Which is what they're talking about here. Wait a minute. In the new district area, city officials floated the idea of occasionally closing down South Brevard Street for sports festivities and to, quote, bring the excitement outside, which makes sense considering how little excitement is inside. Oh, come on. The money for the renovation is going to come from city tourism dollars, rental car sales tax, hotel occupancy rate tax. Because we all know that if you live here, you totally don't ever rent a car, right? That never happens. Um, if somehow the Hornets practice facility does not come together on the bus station site, it would go on an adjacent city-owned gravel lot, according to the assistant city manager Tracy Dodson at the presentation. Charlotte Ledger reports, quote, city officials cast the agreement as a needed and required upgrade to the arena, with the benefit of helping spur development on the site of the transportation center on the other side of Trade Street, as well as locking in the Hornets to a long-term commitment to stay in Charlotte. Ed Drake said he doesn't like the existing contract uh, that obligates the city to pay so much for renovations, but proceeding with this seems sensible, he said. Right outside the arena is the uh, the streetcar, right? I've ridden it. I've ridden it. Did you know, and I, I acknowledge this, I did not know this before last night, but did you know 
that if you make a streetcar longer than about 10 miles, nobody rides it. No, I know what you're thinking. No, the Charlotte line is not more than 10 miles, but still nobody rides it. I don't know. But it's not even 10, but it will be under under the projected plan, right? You start building a streetcar line too long, people don't ride it. Why don't they ride it? Think about it. Why wouldn't you ride a streetcar that gets to be about 10 miles long? I mean, aside from the fact that we are in Charlotte. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? You have so many stops, you could walk faster than the streetcar. People make the logical choice and they say, I'm not going to get on that streetcar unless I'm a tourist, because that's exactly how I read it. And it was like three blocks. And then it wouldn't even take us back. We ended up walking back. That was when it was short. So last night, the council gets a presentation about the extension of this line. And this, the mayor pro tem, Julie Iselt, says, what are we even building this for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are we building this for? It's the same question that came up when they initially pitched the idea of the streetcar leapfrogging other transit projects. I'm old enough to remember that, too. I swear. I get back to town, and all of the old stories, man, we're getting the band back together again. I got arena funding fights. right? I got the Hornets. new. I got this new arena. I got a new practice facility going in. This Hornet, well, they're still bad. And and now I got I got transit funding. Oh, it's fantastic. I don't know. I, I, Arthur Griffin coming back. Vilma Leek's still there. George Dunlap's still there. Wilhelmina Rembert's back on the... I mean, it's just, it's the old band. We're getting back together again. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So watching the uh, Charlotte City Council meeting last night, one other topic that came up, and it was at the very end, and admittedly, I was kind of tired, so I wasn't really paying full attention. But it did get my attention when the mayor pro tem made a comment about, what do we even do this streetcar line for? Like, what was the point? (laughs) And I said, exactly, exactly. What was the point? Well, I'm old enough to remember what the point was. It was to get Anthony Fox elected mayor. Yeah, that was the point. I know they haven't gotten around to doing all of the things that they said they were going to do as part of the project. That would take a long time to get done, no doubt. But the real value in the streetcar line, which, remember, replaced that other, uh, what was it, the trolley, right? That, or was that the Gold Rush line that replaced the... Uh, it's hard to keep them all straight. But the... The streetcar line was supposed to run from, you know, CPCC. It was going to go through Uptown, get rid of the. Oh, do you not know what the Gold Rush line? Do you, Bernie, do you know what the Gold Rush line was? Yeah, you know. Yeah, because you're from here. Yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, you've heard of it? Yeah, I don't think I ever rode. Do you know what it was, though? Yes. What kind was of. It? Okay, what was it? I'm curious to know how. Was it a trolley? It looked like a trolley. Hmm. Yeah, then you got me, Pete. I, I'm not I, trying to no. stump you. I just I'm I'm genuinely interested in what people know because I am not a normal person. I recognize that when someone says, "Oh, the Gold Rush Line," I have a really good idea of what that is because I spent a lot of time 
sitting through transit meetings when they were talking about this stuff. So I'm always, so that's why I'm asking. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm they just, were buses that looked like there you trolleys, go. weren't they? Exactly. Yes. They were buses that looked like trolleys that the uptown businesses had basically bought these little shuttles and they maintained them. That was the idea. Uh, so they could get their workers around the uptown area and out of the area when they needed to. And then uptown became a pretty cool place to hang out. And then it was like, well, we're going to run the streetcar through all of this. And the idea was streetcar from CPCC and the hospital, run it all the way up trade, go past the arena, go underneath the light rail line, and then go all the way out to Johnson and Wales or or, uh, Johnson C. Smith. I mean, yes, you would go past Johnson and Wales, but Johnson C. Smith. That was the idea. So you would create this east-west corridor linking the two college campuses, CPCC and Johnson C. Smith, and you would now have a the the drunk car. I mean, that's really what we need, right? As a so you have a drunk car that would be able to go uptown and then take the kids back to their dorms and stuff. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It was for redevelopment purposes. It was that's the whole point. It was, no, the whole point was Anthony Fox, Democrat Charlotte City Councilman, running against John Lasseter, Republican Charlotte City Councilman. And they were, you know, very similar in many of their votes. And so Fox needed a wedge issue. And boom, streetcar. I mean, of course, he dressed it up as like, you know, this is to do right by the east side and all of this. And it it whipped votes for him in his mayoral run. So... Despite the concerns that the streetcar project was leapfrogging ahead of the priority list and it was much lower on the priority list and we shouldn't be devoting our energies to doing this, all of those concerns, well, they just had to go take a back seat uh, because Democrats wanted to win the mayorship after Pat McCrory held it for 14 years. So I know it's going to cost us a lot more money now, but it's a small price to pay, right, for finally getting Democrats for the rest of our lives as mayor. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We are, Charlotte is, number one and number two. Give it up, everybody. Number one, number two. We're number one and number two. It's not a bathroom reference. No. Number one and number two. Most dangerous roads in the state. Go us. Not content to merely take the top ranking, we'll take the top two. Thank you very much. And I actually... No, the, uh, I know this one, the number one, I know this quite well. I-85 between exits 36 and 41. I-85. WBTV reports on this new traffic study that was done by a law firm, personal injury trial lawyers, Nagel and Associates. A new traffic study pinpointing the deadliest stretches of road across the state determined two are here in Charlotte. Charlotte's got a lot. It's what I've heard. First one is I-85 between exit 36, which is Brookshire Boulevard, and exit 41, which is Sugar Creek. It is classified as the deadliest five-mile stretch in the entire state. 39 fatal crashes occurring 
over about 20 years. So a little bit more than one per year, almost one, well, almost two, 20 years. Yeah. Almost two per year. 42 people died in that 20 year span. That is more than two a year. Just on that stretch. The second deadliest, I-77, between Remount Road and exit 13A. 34 crashes, fatal crashes, happened during that same 19-year period. Approximately 38 people died in those crashes. The study found the main factors were speed and the number of cars on the road. For context, because I do try to provide the context, during this same 20-year period, 13,282 people were killed in fatal crashes on North Carolina roadways. Over that same 20-year period, 13,282 people. Um, The deadliest stretches found in Charlotte, but also Asheville, Greensboro, Gastonia, and Rocky Mount. Give it up, Gastonia. I've got their little map here as well. I-85 in Gastonia. Well, wait a minute. That's now two. So I-85 in Charlotte, I-85 in Gastonia. Oh, interesting. Almost like there's something wrong with I-85. I-85 is trying to kill us. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the road. It's the people who designed it. And apparently don't paint their lines. That's what... Okay, look. So this, this number one spot, this most fatal spot... I would go almost right through there. I'd come right up to the sort of the beginning part of it. When I was, uh, so when I took the job up in the mountains uh, and uh, we still had our house in Steel Creek and my wife still worked in Charlotte, Christy still worked here. And so I, I rented a tiny little apartment and I would work during the week and then I would come back on the weekends. You know, Friday night I'd get in the car and I'd uh, drive down the mountain. And uh, we eventually sold our house in Steel Creek area and went to an apartment in Uptown. And we very much enjoyed the, you know, living the Uptown urban lifestyle. I mean, she did during the week. I was only there for like, you know, two nights, but we enjoyed it. And then of course the, you know, the 2020 summer of love occurred, all the riots and so the mostly peaceful riots. Um, and, you know, that stuff happening right out in front of the, the, uh, the windows and such. We were like, you know what? Let's not, let's not stay here. And that's really unfortunate my entire adult life, I always wanted to live in the city. I always wanted to live in Center City, Charlotte. And when I finally got the opportunity to do so, the riots convinced me to leave. I'm just one person. You know, some guy in his mid-40s, whatever, but I'm probably not the only one. So we left. and uh, But I would always go, when you're coming up from, or uh, yeah, coming over from I-85, I would get on to Brookshire, right, up around the city there. And so I'd head right into, uh, into Center City on that north side. So I know that sort of that, that strip as you're coming right in. And my very first house that I purchased was east side, and it was just easier if you were going to I-85, and I got family uh, down the I-85 corridor. And so I would just jump on there. So I would go from Eastway, Little Sugar Creek, or Little Sh- or Sugar Creek Road, rather, um, and drive and get on the interstate that way. So I know that area very well. I know that stretch very well. And it is a death trap. And it's not helped by the lack of dotted lines painted on the road. 
I don't know why that concrete or the asphalt looks like it does. It is concrete, I think, actually. And the white dots, the, the white dotted lines, they're like, they're all worn off. I had a guy jump over the middle one night. I'm heading back and uh, under the, I'm go, I'm coming up on the underpass or overpass or yeah, well, I'm under the overpass. There you go. And I'm, I'm coming up and this guy jumps over the middle wall and lands a bit awkwardly because it's pretty tall. You know, that's a pretty tall wall. He lands a little awkwardly and stumbles out into the left lane. And you know me, if I'm in the left lane, like I'm doing minimum, you know, 120, 130. No, I'm kidding. That's completely reckless. I would not do that. I've never gone that far. Um, so he jumps over the wall and like I almost killed a guy driving because he fell off the wall and rolled into my lane. Yeah, because I drive as if everybody is trying to kill me. I saw him well in advance and was able to, but I barely missed him. And I could see him because at first your mind doesn't really register what you're looking at. And, and it was very dark. He was, he was right at the bridge. I couldn't even, and you couldn't see because the lighting is terrible out there. And when it rains on that stretch, just forget about it. So that's I-85 for you. And down in Gastonia between exits 14 and 19, 21 fatal crashes. I know this stretch as well. When I would head on to Asheville, that's the same stretch. Although they did do the improvement at uh, the 321 exit. So that's that's been helpful, I will say. That's a lot. Now, there's the other one. I I apparently, I drive one, two, three, four. Four of the top six of the most deadliest roads in the state, I was a regular traveler on. Maybe that's why I'm alive. Maybe that is why I, because I, I travel them so often, I knew, uh-oh, this is the dumbassery zone. I am encountering, I'm entering the zone of dumbassery. And so I know that there is a disproportionate number of people that are actually trying to kill me and themselves in my vicinity versus when you're outside of the zone of dumbassery. Because this, this number three, number worse, I-240 in Asheville, I'm not even going to tell you the exits because the whole road is terrible. No, it's exits 1B and 6. I know exactly, this was, I lived right off of that one too. So I would go through two, no, sorry, I would go through three of the most dangerous stretches. I did that for eight years, driving through three of the most dangerous stretches in North Carolina. Science should study me. I need to go play the lottery. Wait a minute. What's the what's the uh, what's the jackpot at? Do we know? Because I don't play it unless it's a quarter billion. That's my rule. It's got to be. It's not worth my effort. Not worth my money. I got an uh, email here to Pete at the Pete Show.com from Katie. It says, Pete, isn't the intersection of the Patton Avenue and Lester Highway in Nashville the most dangerous intersection in the country? You were justifying death left and right. This is what I'm saying, Katie. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That intersection, too. I ran through, after I got off of I-240 in Nashville, I went through that same intersection, and that thing's always at the top of the list for most lethal intersections. It's terrible. 
maybe that's the thing though. It's like maybe your maybe your uh, senses. I'm just thinking this through. Like my senses are so on alert, you know, because I I am in these most dangerous of zones, the zones of dumbassery that I am I'm through them, and so. Like you're just amped up the whole time. Probably would lead to some sort of adrenal issues at some point. But you're, you know, you're like so jacked up, wired. Either that or I'm just a really good driver. It's probably that. Um, Let me see here. Dan says, uh, Pete, the buzz stop is a brilliant idea, but the place will almost surely smell like a sly in the Family Stones concert all the time because of all the stoners. It'll start hanging out there. It's true. Uh, Bill says, Pete, I've been here long enough to remember when Hugh McCall and Ed Crutchfield wanted all the buses and their throngs of people moved from trade and try on. Those people were standing in front of their big, big bank towers. So they, I believe they bought the property and kicked in a bunch of money for the transit center. Everybody knew at the time it was going to end up being a crime and drug ridden facility, uh, when they crammed everybody in there together. Well, I think Bill, and Bill is right, they also tried to move them out for various events and stuff. I mentioned the NCAA Final Four that came to town, which was sort of a sidebar story, kind of hilarious, where all these people from all over the country, you know, came to see the Final Four at the old Charlotte Coliseum on Tivola Road. And they built an, they built a whole fake city there, a whole bar district in the parking lots, right? Because it was a massive parking lot. And... um they built this whole fake city, all these little fake bars and stuff. And people came to Charlotte and they were like, this is awesome. And then they went, you know, saw the game and then they would go home and then they'd come back and they go, take me to that, hey, to the Coliseum where the bar district is. Oh, that doesn't exist. And people would become disillusioned and disappointed in Charlotte. What else here? Uh, but yes, the uh, the moving of the the bus station, the buzz station, as it would. Uh, I think, Bill, uh, the key here is that if you bury it, then the problem goes away. And by goes away, I mean goes away, you know, underground. So you don't have to see it. I think that's the key here. That's the real benefit of putting the bus station, the transit center, underground is so now we don't have to, like when we're going to the games, we don't have to see the buses anymore. I think that's the benefit. We don't have to listen to them and the people that are, you know, using the transit center for, you know, drug deals and such. Oh, no, that doesn't. By the way, I know this area pretty well as well. Yeah. My wife worked like three blocks from the transit center. And so anytime we would like I would meet her, we would we would walk. We'd go to the arena. We would go to. Uh, the trade and try on area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know this area well. I know of which I speak. We'd go to the epicenter. What else we got here? Oh, uh, Dennis says, Charlotte City Council has blown an astronomical amount of millions of dollars on such fruitful items as building arenas, rail transit, a defunct trolley car, a stadium for a minor league soccer team, and the whatever happened. What's up with that guy, too? They fired. They fired another Hispanic coach out of Charlotte. What's the deal? Anyway, uh, the beat goes on. Well, meanwhile, we are supposed to believe there's not enough money in the town budget to provide security for our schools. What a bunch of horse hockey. 
we have for elected officials that run this city and this county. Thank you and WBT for being the sole whistleblowers. A change is way past due. And to that I say, Dennis, um, what else we got here? Oh, back to the Charlotte uh, Dangerous Roads Survey or study. As the Charlotte region continues to face growth over time, the city promises to find solutions, possibly by, here's a potential solution, to all the deadly roads in Charlotte. You ready? Converting highway shoulders into extra lanes on I-77. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as a heads up on this one, not a new idea. Pat McCrory actually pitched that idea on 485 on the southeastern leg, the first part that got built. Pat was all about trying to get that done because the original uh, outer loop, 485, was only two lanes. It was only two lanes when they originally built it. That was. The, did you know that was the longest loop project in America? Not by distance. No, no. By the amount of time it took to complete it. <laughs> That was it. And and the kicker is we got to complete it because money ended up in the state budget because Asheville refused to use the money that was allocated for it for its interstate widening. They refused to use it because we don't want people driving their cars, man. Cars are killing Gaia Earth. And so they slow-rolled their planning process for so long that the money got kicked back in and Charlotte got to finish its loop. <laughs> Charlotte got to finish because that was a big fight because there was this, we had a C, it wasn't an O, it was a C. There was like this part at the top, you know, Huntersville area, and, and it wasn't completed and we were fighting on where to get the money and then the Southeast was like, we only have two lanes and McCrory's like, no, drive on the shoulder and there, this DOT's like, you can't do that. So there's a big fight and uh, that little Asheville's stoner ways they just, well, I mean, they just procrastinated and they forgot, I totally forgot to send you that paperwork. Oh, what was I saying again? And so then, oh yeah, by the way, the uh, state legislature moving forward with the medical marijuana while Congress is looking at recreational pot. So got that going for us. Uh, unpredictable road conditions in North Carolina can limit the visibility of drivers and increase their risk of getting into a collision, traffic congestion, tractor trailer traffic. Also pose additional risk. However, negligent, inattentive, and unsafe driving behaviors are the biggest risks on our roadways. That's dedicated to all you people sitting at a green light right now, checking your phone. Brett Winterville coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.